Okay. Last week, <coughs> I didn't get finished. <laughs> but, uh, I haven't finished since the first week I started ministering <laughs> many, many years ago. So we never stop. We just we never finish. We just stop and start again. <laughs> but we were talking about hearing God's voice and the importance of that. And I want to keep exploring that a little bit because it's it's essential that Christians cultivate hearing, spiritual hearing. Because spiritual hearing of God's voice produces faith in our life. And we know from Hebrews eleven six that without faith it's impossible to please God. So you hear that a lot. And so there's no one that doesn't want to have faith because they understand that that's the requirement to please God. So let's talk about how we get there, right? And I'm here to tell you that hearing God's voice is an essential part of that. Mm-hmm. Because down through the history of man, God has dealt with mankind with different dispensations, different ways in which he dealt with mankind. We talked about a few of those last week, which the individuals, the way he dealt with individuals and their families, and there's the, 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 the law for 1,500 years, and then we entered into this period of grace and truth, this church age in which we now reside, and everyone is required to have an individual response to God toward His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And this dispensation of time in which this way in which God is dealing with mankind is not going to change from the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus was risen from the dead, till He comes back again. Okay? So you don't have to worry about Him changing things up on you from time to time. What, what is it this month? That sort of thing. And you hear lots of... Uh, Variations on the theme these days. Don't believe any of it. Nothing's changed from then till now. God's not going to change. He's not going to change his mind. And he's not going to deal with us differently. Anyone says so is involved in a cult. Mm-hmm. So Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. Most people do. And that He rewards them who diligently seek Him. So, there's a definition of faith there that, that pops out to me that most people don't usually go to as something to define faith. Because what do we go to? The, the scripture, five, five scriptures before that, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we use that as our, our uh, a, a definition, and then people go, well, what does that mean <laughs> exactly? Well, I, I like this in Hebrews 11.6, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him, talking about God, and then it says, For or because... 
And then, then there's, the, there's the definition right there following. Whoever would draw near to God must believe, first of all, believe that He exists, and that He rewards. He's a rewarder of them. The diligent. So you not only have to believe that He exists, but that He's good and wants to be good towards you when you enter into that seeking, that diligent seeking of Him, that relationship in which He wants to be found. Amen. Amen. That's a, that's a cool thing. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We talked about that last week. There's two words in the Greek for word. One is logos, which is this. The logos of God is the total mind and will and plan of God, and it's too much for us at one time. It's good to put it in, because the Holy Spirit comes to remind us of everything that Jesus has said, right? And Jesus is this Word made flesh. But we don't need all of this at one given time. We, we are sheep which are not meant to carry that load on our back. We're not God. Thank God. <laughs> but the other word for word is rhema, which is a now word, literally a spoken word. And that is our daily bread. That is why we, we are to go to God every day, every morning. The first fruits, you see, of our day, just like the first fruits of our uh, increase and, and, and everything else in our life. The first part, the best part should go to the Lord. Because we are here to prove to the world that this supernatural life is a real thing. And that we can do more with 90% of everything than they can with 100. Whether it's our money, our time, or whatever else it is. Because when we say, I just don't have the time, that's especially the time to give Him the time. Because then He can take the time that you didn't think you had to, to, to complete everything in that day and He'll make it all just fall into place, won't He? He'll take and make all the crooked places straight. So, this Logos, this counsel and reason in the mind of God. Psalm 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, your word is fixed in the heavens. So it doesn't change. It's complete and total. It's eternal, unchanging. Amen. Then the rhema is the spoken word that we're seeking after every day. Because that's, when you hear a word from God, that'll take you an extra hundred miles. Amen. Everybody just wants to know, what does he want from me? What am I supposed to do? What is he saying to me? I mean, you can hear this question a thousand different ways. And see, I I minister to more preachers than I do the congregation here. And this week alone, I probably dealt with 40 ministers and uh, prayed with, uh, you know, uh, a dozen or so. And they have the same things, the problems and concerns and fears and doubts that you do. They just don't tell you because they're supposed to be the ones leading, right? So who do they go to? Well, as it turns out, it's good that there are people they can go to. Amen. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every rama is the word he used. 
A now word, a spoken word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how he answered Satan when he came at him and tempted him when he was hungry and tired. Uh, The thing is that God measures out his logos to us in portions that we need for that day and that we're able to receive and handle for that particular time and that particular season and that particular reason or whatever it is that he's talking to us about. So he measures it out so wisely. So it's in, you know, it's like uh, we're not trying to drink from a, a fire hydrant, you know, or a fire hose. <laughs> and as we begin to hear God's voice, it becomes that fresh daily bread which nourishes us spiritually and we receive a daily direction and strength for our walk with God. Amen. like when you open the word and you're just sitting there quietly with the Lord and then you could read your Bible for hours and hours and it's good because that logos is going in but sometimes you just open it and there's a word that just that's it he's talking to me right now about this thing or this situation and I know it's him that's the rhema that's the now word the spoken word amen amen so, if, re- if it comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, the rhema, the quickened Word of God, this hearing has to be cultivated, because we don't just walk around. I mean, how many of you remember, or maybe, I'm sure everyone has probably heard by now, in this stage in our lives, somebody say, uh, they, what God said this. Or I'll have to ask, I'll have to ask, see what God says about that, right? You know, the first time you hear somebody say that, you're like, all right, you know. Then, as you begin to grow in your relationship with God, you well, first of all, as you when you get the Holy Spirit, you have more discernment, you have a, a knowing, an unction from the Holy Ghost, and you can kind of judge all things like that, and you can kind of tell if uh, if someone. I mean, there's. There's lots of doctors out there, right? And lots of, lots of uh, attorneys, right? And, and every one of them, you know, in both groups, 50% of them graduated in the bottom half of their class, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> they don't have ears to hear, let them hear. <laughs> but I want to go further with discerning the Lord's voice or hearing the Lord's voice. So I'm going to get to what I call last week the heart of the matter, which is one of Tavana's favorite things to talk about because it comes from a message that we heard early on in our walk with the Lord and it's never it resounded with her. It's one of those, it was a rhema for her at the time. And it's always been something that she remembers. So whenever I say heart of the matter, she perks up. But I wanted to tell you, talk a little bit about what Jesus had to say about these things, right? So in Mark chapter 4, verse 9, and then later on, just a few scriptures later, in verse 23, Jesus is telling his parables, and he's, he's talking to those in, in parables like he always did, and he says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. 
Well, he wasn't talking about natural ears or hearing. We assume that probably almost everyone there had ears and, and could hear. But he was talking about an inner condition of the heart. This supernatural hearing that we are seeking after and talking about and that God wants us so desperately to have. So, turn to... I want to give you an example of someone... Uh, in First Kings, go back all the way to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at this. First Kings, chapter three. First Kings, chapter three, and I'll just. Solomon was a, a son of, of David, and he had taken over as king. And this was a daunting task for a young man. And he wisely recognized that, hey, I, I can't do this without God. I, I don't want to do this without God. And so here's, we'll start reading about the third verse. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sanctified and made offerings at high places. This was a problem. But And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Here's the scripture I was trying to get to. Verse 5 of chapter 3. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. That's pretty awesome. How many of you would like for that to happen? Let me ask you this. What would you say? <laughs> yeah, I know. Me either. <laughs> but maybe we should think about that. Hmm. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness in righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him his great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Oh, now and now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, though I am but a little child. He wasn't a little child, but he was young. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Now look at this, verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind... To, dis, to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern your great people? He asked for a discerning heart. This says an understanding mind. He actually asked for a hearing heart. A hearing heart. Not that he could hear the people but that he could hear God to know how to govern God's people. Amen. Yeah. 
Verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, because, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all of your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. He made Solomon, he gave him this hearing heart that he was after. And God liked the fact that he asked that so much that he gave him everything else that he didn't ask for. All the stuff that the world normally would ask for, he gave him because he put God first and God's people first. And because of that, God went ahead and made him the richest man that ever lived. There will never be anyone until Jesus returns that will be as rich as Solomon was. And God made it so. And he was very wise to ask that question or for that. And then he became wiser still because he asked it. Wow. A heart that hears God is a wise heart. It's a, it's a heart that's free of the world. A heart that not only hears God, but follows God, which has always been the qualifications. That, that was the point, I don't know if I mentioned it, but of all those dispensations of time, the one thing that's been steady through all of that is the requirement to hear God and to, to obey His voice. But there is another kind of heart. A heart that's unresponsive to God. We want the heart that is responsive to God and not responsive to any other voice. The voices of the world. Remember in John 10, we talked about last week how Jesus said, My sheep know my voice and they follow me. But the other kind of heart is one that is spiritually deaf. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll look at this a little closer. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 13 through 15. Tell me when I have it. (laughs) Jesus said, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. This is the condition known as a hardened heart. They have no heart to hear God. They're inwardly deaf, or another word is callous, or having waxed cold, you read in the Bible. And we use the uh, 
the example of the string that starts out to be a candle and it doesn't become that candle, that waxed cold heart overnight or in just one time of disregarding God's voice. It's a process. Over and over that string is dipped until it becomes a candle. Amen? Do you know what? It's Halloween, right? Which I don't celebrate Halloween, but there are lots of fun ways to have fun during this time of year. Harvest Festival. I, I wanted to do, I mentioned last year, I wanted to do the trunk retreat here, but we didn't ever get around to that. That would have been great. But maybe next year, somebody will take the initiative to, to help with that. That'll be cool. But there's all kind of cool things you can do. This to uh, talk about life and the harvest festival and the, and the things of God instead of the things of the devil. But do you know what Satanism is? I wanted to ask you today. Most of you are like, well, yeah, duh, you know. Because, you know, it, it can be the thing that you're probably thinking of, a very highly organized uh, religion that actually, literally, and intentionally worships the devil. It's horrible. It's so sad. Or, it can just be something very subtle. Anything that doesn't say that you have to require Jesus Christ as the only means by which you obtain salvation and relationship with God the Father is the spirit of Antichrist. If you don't need Christ, that's the spirit of Antichrist. That's why John said, the Antichrist will come. There is a person that's going to be the Antichrist. But, the, but many Antichrists have already come and are here now, is what he said. So that spirit of Antichrist is really the spirit of the world. And it's alive and active, unfortunately. Just think about the culture that says, just do you. <laughs> just do you. That's, that's one of the common terms. Hey, man, do you. That sounds cool. It sounds very full of grace or something. I don't know. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. I used to feel that way about everything. Hey, man, leave them alone. Let them be. Let me be. I'm not hurting anybody. I was hurting everybody that loved me. <laughs> I was deceiving myself. The culture says, just do you. If it feels good, do it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> if you want to drink that, drink it. If you want to Smoke that? You want to snort that? You want to shoot that? Your business. You want to buy that? <laughs> buy it. You deserve it. You want to say that? Get it off your chest, man. 
for the most part, social media, people aren't going to post things on social media that are bad for them. They're posting things on there too. I'm not talking about you guys. You all, you guys use it all for the glory of God, I know. But for the most part, you have to admit that people just putting stuff on there to promote lust or envy. Huh? My new car. Check us out chilling on the lake in our, our new boat. Look at the sailfish I caught. You know, check me out flying this plane. You don't see the ones, man, I've gained 40 pounds. Look how fat I am in my spandex. (laughs) But people were still taking pictures of me in Walmart. Yeah, you'll see those later on Facebook. TikTok, maybe. And there's a lot that just post that stuff for attention, you know, desperate cry, you know, solicit pity and things like that. But none of that's good. It's all worldly. It's all not God. It doesn't bring out the godly things that we're looking for. But I'm not talking about people. I'm not, I'm not, people aren't our enemies. We're, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. So that's, that's not the point. The word of God, this, this here, isn't supposed to be used as uh, binoculars to, uh, for you to point out everyone else's uh, sins and problems and flaws. But it's supposed to be used as a mirror for you to examine your own heart and find out what you're supposed to look like. spiritually in your new life as a Christian which means little Christ actually you're just a little Christ you're growing up in Christ to become more and more like him faith to faith to faith amen the point is folks until we get rid of all the the junk that doesn't look like think like talk like the word of God which is Jesus without eyeballs then we can be our own worst enemies. Hmm. It's not everybody else that hurts you and said something about you and did this to you. You can't change them. But nobody can steal your joy unless you allow them. They're not the, if, they're, if they're the source of your problem, then they've got to be part of the solution is the problem, see. And you can't handle that. You can't make that happen. So just let it be about you and God. Hey, amen. Because when you really die to yourself, you will die to them too. In other words, they won't be able to hurt you anymore. Hmm. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Yes. Alright. Psalm 70, no, 95. I want to look at Psalm 95. 
I never know if I'm like, I have to wait and hear this message later to know if I'm like cutting to the quick or <laughs> ever cut a dog's toenails. <laughs> you have to be careful just to go so far. <laughs> Otherwise, you're, you feel like a really bad, bad person. <laughs> I this is, I never mean to offend I just mean to provoke you to action and to thought to build you up and to make you better and to bring you closer to God. And that's that's his goal. Amen. Amen. God doesn't bring sickness upon you to teach you things. He does not bring hardship, poverty upon you, divorce upon you. He does not bring all those kind of things upon you, death He does not put those things in your life to teach you anything. God doesn't do that. The thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And all those things can be put into those categories. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. God is good. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. God's will that you should be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Amen. So we're working on the prosperity of that soul, that mind and will and emotions. Amen. So that we can prosper in every way. Because it all starts, the battlefield is between your ears. Amen. Psalm 95. How long have I been doing this? It's like going on like 14 years. People still text me all through church service. Don't they know where I'm at by now? On Sunday? <laughs> if not, then I'm keeping this too much of a private affair. I always tell people, your, your relationship with Jesus isn't supposed to be a private affair. You know? <laughs> Psalm, Psalm 95, verse 7 and 8. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, let me say when you hear his voice, because I have, I'm talking to people with sensitive hearts toward God here. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness, when the fathers put me to the test, your fathers, and put me to the proof though they had seen my work. So he's talking about the Israelites, how they saw all the wonderful things. He had a great track record in their life, didn't he? They saw all the ten plagues that he brought upon Egypt and how he destroyed, that he parted the Red Sea as he brought them out with great riches from being slaves. And they, they're just throwing gold and stuff at them and saying, go on, get out. Your God's too big for us. See ya. They went out. He, they're stuck. They're, they're backs to the Red Sea. And, and uh, Pharaoh changed his mind. And he gets his army and the chariots and all that. And they chase after him. And they're backed up to the Red Sea. They're stuck again. God parts the Red Sea and lets them walk across on dry land. <clears throat> he had to really part that sea too. Because it, it just the number, around 2 million or whatever, just... It, it, it would have taken them, if they were like double or even four across, it would have taken them months to get across, you see. So he had to really part that thing. 
And they walked across on dry ground and then they watched as it closed in on the Egyptian army and killed all them. And, and then just a few days into the wilderness, they, they're thirsty and they come to waters that are bitter and they start complaining again. What'd you bring us out here for? But anyway, he says that they just, they hardened their hearts to his voice. They didn't remind themselves of all the wonderful things he had done and delivered them from. Look, you're all sitting here today. Every one of us has been through great trials and tribulations in our lives. I know that because I, I know every one of you, and I know me. And so, <laughs> I know, been through some stuff. The key word there is through. God delivered you from every one of those trials and battles. And you say, well, I'm still going through. Well, okay. Think about the ones that are over. That he did get you through. That you didn't think you were going to live through. Shouldn't have lived through, maybe. I know. (laughs) He knows that I know. Of some times where I was supposed to die. And he didn't let it happen. And I can't forget that. I don't want to forget those things. I don't want to focus on what the devil is doing. People put more faith in what the devil can do than what God has done. And that's a problem. So he was talking about how they just started complaining and they didn't have a sensitive heart toward it. And so he got angry with them. And this is so sad to me. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. (coughs) He was mad at them. They are a people who go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. How sad. (coughs) Excuse me. It, that passage of scripture says some things. It gave me, can you believe, five, five points. <clears throat> First of all, he said today. Today. This is the day the Lord has made. Ramah is for now. It's a now where he's going to speak to you every day if you listen. If you allow. You will hear from God. Amen. <clears throat> Pardon me. He says, if I say when you hear his voice, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So you will hear, you will hear every day. It's your daily bread. You will hear his voice because you're all his sheep. And third thing he says, do not. So it's a choice. Harden your heart. Fourth thing. So keep the soil of your heart soft and plowed and sensitive. Praise and worship is the best way to keep that heart plowed. To hear God's voice, by the way. I've been talking a lot about that lately. And the last thing, or the fifth thing, and he says, as they did. So, God in His infinite wisdom and kindness he puts lots of examples in here you think god's the kind of person that just likes to humiliate people and point out all their negative characteristics and flaws no 
But he did that in this word <coughs> out of kindness to you. He's just showing their examples of their failures so that you won't make the same mistakes. Amen. And there's tons of them in here. And they make us feel better about ourselves. But they also should put us back on the right path and show us what not to do and to pray and how to pray and, and, and ask for the Lord's guidance and, and help so that you don't make the same mistakes. Amen. And if you're wise, you'll do like Solomon did and ask God for a hearing heart so that you can hear his voice more clearly. How many of you have ever asked that? One of the number one things that ministers hear from people is that I don't know what God wants. I don't hear God. I hear everybody talking about this, you know, what God said, what God wants to do, but I don't hear God. So I just, And then they get into this thing, you know, it's downward progression. Maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe he don't love me. They undo all the good things that they believed the first day they heard the good news because they went to church. And now at church, they start hearing all these other things like, wow, I was so full of joy the day that I heard that Jesus died for my sins and he loved me. And all I had to do was believe on him and accept the free gift of salvation and make him my Lord and Savior and repent from my old lifestyle and turn to him. And, and man, that just made me so glad. And now I come and get burdened down and weighted down with all these of the yoke again of all this bondage and, and do's and don'ts. That's not, that's not how God is. He still has instructions for us. And there is discipline for his children because he loves you. How many of you ever have, have kids? <laughs> yeah. You ever, you ever had one that you didn't get on to once in a while just because you needed to? Because you love them? <laughs> yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have a death wish when they're little. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot hit your sister with that brick. No. <laughs> Biting is not going to fly in this house. No. Because you don't want to get a call when they're uh, seven or eight from school <laughs> because you didn't do anything about it when they were two. Amen. <laughs> the thing that's so sad about that passage of scripture is he was angry with them and they had to roam around in the wilderness for 40 years and he said they didn't ever enter into his rest i think a lot of christians are in that condition that they just roaming around the wilderness and and never really ever entering into the rest that jesus has provided through the atonement you know, there are some churches that still, they meet on Saturday. That's the Sabbath, and they still observe the Sabbath and all that. You know, that is the saddest thing to me. It's good to take a day of rest. That's another great example God gave us, the human body. I mean, he paints pictures of that. Rest is good. The older I get, naps are good. I don't get to take many, but I believe in naps now. <laughs> But you know, Jesus was the Sabbath rest. He has completed. He's finished. He sat down. He's done. We entered into that Sabbath rest. We don't have to observe those things anymore. Especially 
I mean, you can if you want, but if you're doing it thinking that's going to gain something from God, you, you've missed the boat. Amen. Amen. Or oh me. <laughs> Proverbs 4.20. Proverbs 4.20. Y'all hearing God? <laughs> that's the goal. Amen. Proverbs 4.20. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Hallelujah. You know how many times I've spoken that out loud? Over myself, over my family, over everyone. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Your people, you know, here, guard your heart. Oh, I am. I'm never going to let that SOB hurt me again. That's not guarding your heart. That's building a prison for yourself. That's bitterness. That's unforgiveness. That will damage you physically, spiritually, in every way. You need to forgive and forgive quickly. And it doesn't mean that you're saying it's okay. It's not okay. If it wasn't okay, if it's a sin, if it was something that hurts you, God doesn't think it's okay. But he says, vengeance is mine. Let me handle it my way. If you will just cast that thing over to me and don't pick it back up, I promise you. It's not going to look like I'm handling it. It's not going to be done your way and in your time. But I got this. If you will just love me and know that I love you and trust me with it, you'll be free. Amen. Amen. But it's also saying that we need to have an attitude of humility and reverence toward God. This is Psalm 46.10 is the one that says, Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62 I want to go over there for just a second. I'm trying to hurry through some of these scriptures because I just want to lay this foundation about this hearing heart and sensitive heart and the criteria. But because if we're all here, if we're here every week to try to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord, which is just growing in relationship with Jesus, which is the thing that can help us in every way, then we need to understand what it looks like. And if there's a part that we have to play, we need to understand that a little bit better and embrace it and understand why. Amen. Psalm 62. A couple little things there. This is David. I love David. Because he was a mess. But God says, that's a man after my own heart. And so, you know, I explore that. I study his life to find out what made God love him, knowing how much he screwed up. And I like what I find. But look here in Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. David wrote this, and he's talking to his own soul. You can do this. Your spirit, man... 
is renewed, born again, perfect, sealed, mind of Christ, kingdom of God is within you. That old sin nature of Satan that used to compel you to do things is gone. But now we have to renew this thing. This personality, this mind and will and emotions, that's our soulish realm. And you can, you can do that. Look what David did. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Skip down, he says it again in verses 5 and 6. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. He's commanding his soul to be still, to be humble, to be quiet and wait for God. And only God and no other voice. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken David, talk into his own soul and you can do the same thing. Once you know what your soul is supposed to be doing and you catch it acting up, when you catch your mind running away like a worldly freight train filled with anger or bitterness or pain and rejection and, and all these different things, you can command it to stop. You know what you do? You just do it on purpose. You can't stop thinking negative thoughts. If I tell you, just you just stop it. Just you, you ain't gonna stop it. And if I sit here and tell you, don't you think about a bright, shiny, beautiful red apple sitting there in front of you? You know, you didn't put that out of your mind right away. You see that apple. But if I tell you, look at these yellow bananas over here. Have you ever seen any so perfect? There's no bruises on them. It's just a perfect little bunch of bananas. Still got the little Chiquita stickers. You, see, you don't see the apple anymore. You were thinking of those bananas for a minute. See, what my point is, you have to replace those negative thoughts. You can't just stop having them. And here's what you replace it with. Whatever you're thinking that's not in line with God's word and it's causing, it's going to result in death in all its various forms. Replace it with a scripture that applies to that sort of thing. I've struggled with depression and rejection issues my whole life. I, I've never known my father. I, you know, there's just some things. I mean, a lot of people had way worse than I ever did. So I'm not complaining about that. But my whole life, nightmares of terror from when I was a little child and things like that. You remember the story of me saying that I had the 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 phone call and about the skunk and all that? I don't want to go into that. It'd take the whole rest of the message. Anyway, that was that delivered me from some things. The skunk story. <laughs> but this Bible says, I will replace a spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. Yes. 
When you start feeling heavy and depressed and down, just start praising God. Lift those heavy hands. Reach up to sky. I was sitting in traffic. Boy. On Friday, I had to go to Richmond. I don't do that. (laughs) For 25 years, I prided myself in going the opposite way of traffic. Because I'm in sales and I can set my own appointments. And when they tell me to meet me at their house at 5 o'clock, I say, no. (laughs) Because I've earned that. Thank you, Jesus. But sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do to be a blessing to others when it's hard situation. So I was sitting on the, the curve at the top of the bridge where 290 turns to Beltway South. Sitting still because traffic. And I just look over and I'm looking at the top of all the trees down there. And I just began to praise God because all the trees. I was thinking, I just read this. I'd just been listening to the Bible this, that morning before I took off. And it would talk about how the trees clapped their hands. And, and I remember when the Lord had the dream and, he had, and I saw the trees reaching up to God and dancing like this and holding all those cars that we gave away. <laughs> anyway, but I've always thought of those things and I think of that and I just looked down and I saw the tops of all those trees and it was a sunny day and it was just a little breezy which is a sign of the Holy Spirit you see you can't see the Holy Spirit but you can see the results just like God Jesus uses that example of the wind you can't see the wind but you can see the results of the wind you know and I said I saw all those trees and I was just sitting over the top of them and I said, this is all right. I'll just sit here for a while, Lord. I don't care about this traffic jam. Because they were all just dancing and praising God and reaching up to Him. It blessed me. Amen. Where was I? We have to let go and let God. We have to learn to let go and let God. We have to learn to cease striving. To cease striving. To enter that rest. It says strive or struggle to enter His rest. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't that sound wrong? But it is because it's more natural for us to strive and struggle than to rest. I don't know about you all, but I have a hard time. If I'm not doing something productive, I feel like I'm, I'm being bad. No? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I have trouble just chilling like that, you know. But I've gotten good at chilling with God because I know that's not a bad thing. And I know that it makes up, it takes what would have been a long day and can make it into a short day. For me, because he just puts everything in place. The puzzle pieces. You know, the appointments that weren't going to produce any fruit, they'll call and cancel anyway or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you just saved me four hours. I knew you weren't going to buy. (laughs) That was a bad example. (laughs) 
We have to learn to trust in God. <laughs> but it's hard for people to be still and be quiet, isn't it? We have to spend time, though, in silence and in stillness with God. And that's, that's how we learn to cultivate this hearing that we're talking about. To hear His voice. Because He doesn't yell. God doesn't yell. I mean, He can. I'm not putting Him in a box. I'll leave here and get yelled at. But He generally doesn't. I have heard Him louder than others at times. <laughs> But as loud as he gets is when he's really quiet with me. Like that. He's usually telling me, I already told you. (laughs) He's not one to repeat himself. (laughs) Maybe that's where I got that from, my father. (laughs) I don't like it either. (laughs) People today, many people today, have very little respect for authority. And they're afraid of silence. Those are two big issues with our culture. And both of those conditions make it really hard to hear God. He requires our undivided attention. He requires humble, teachable people. And many today are just prideful, loud, opinionated, entitled. And even those who call themselves believers have a hard time allowing the Word of God get in the way of what they believe. (laughs) You believe Joe Biden said the Pope told him he's a good Christian? You weigh that out. I'm just saying. Why did I say that? I don't know. Mm. But people in that condition, their hearts are not right toward God. I mean, that's easy to determine. We're not judging people. We're just, we're supposed to judge all things, just not all people. Amen. And I can tell you, within just a few minutes, if somebody can get somebody talking to me, I can tell you what sort of seed they've been planting in their garden of their heart. Amen. Because it's producing. Hearts are not right. So, what that results in is a bad vertical relationship. You know, there's two beams on the cross. One's vertical, one's horizontal. If that vertical beam is not right, the horizontal beam is not going to be right. Amongst your fellow man. Amen. Or oh me. But with God, there's always hope. Amen. There's always grace. There's always, you know, you think of the story of the prodigal son. You know, he screwed up as bad as you can. You know, you didn't get your inheritance until your father passed away in those days. And he basically said, drop dead. I want it now. And he got it. And went and blew it all on hookers and drinking and partying. Sorry. Anyways. And he's in a pig pen. <laughs> and he can't even get some of their grub. And he's like, man, I'll just go try to get a job from my dad. I'm not going to ask him to call me son anymore. But maybe at least he'll give me a job with the other people that work for him. And that's they live pretty good. 
And he repented and he, he started walking home. When he got close enough, he didn't even have to tell the story that he concocted. And his father didn't walk to meet him. He ran. That's a picture of your father in heaven. And you, amen. We all the prodigal son. In some ways, at some time in our life. So, just remember that God loves us and it's never over with him. It's never too late. He loves you and his nature is to extend grace and love and mercy to us. Amen. But he needs, he wants for you to hear him every day. Because it gives you confidence to and strength and direction and guidance for your day. You know, yesterday I was with a customer, which I don't do Saturday appointments anymore either. The more I say I don't do these things, and nobody makes me, I, I do them. Because when people have a situation where they just need to you know, see me on Saturday, it's really the only good... Okay. So, but this was just a couple miles from my house, so I was like, yeah, I really want this job. But anyway, I was talking to this really nice young man. He has a little baby girl in his hands, and we walked around talking, and I could tell, I discerned he was a believer. And because it's going to come up if you meet me. <laughs> if it weren't for that, uh, it, and, and I get criticized for that sometimes. Because even on my, I, I don't give people like a company number or email. I give them my personal cell phone. And when they call me, they get a Jesus message. And I, I get criticized for, for bringing up the Lord and talking about my, my customers and stuff like that. But I'll give you an example. If I didn't do that, Don McAtee would not be here right now. And I thank God for him every day. Did y'all know that? That I did a job for him. I did his daughter's house who has been here as well. And that's how I met Don. And that's if I wouldn't have talked about the Lord, he wouldn't have never known that I was a minister and we would have never got to talking about the Lord and he would not be here. And I tell you what, God has done wonderful things in this man's life. Wonderful things. But I was out there at this customer's house, and I'm done. I'm not going to pick that up anymore. I want to. Um, but uh, his name was Wes. Anyway, he was telling me about his brother who lives in Galveston. And so it brought started up a conversation about how I used to live there and grew up down there. Anyway, his... His brother and sister-in-law are in ministry down there in Galveston. And he started telling me that they, they felt like God was calling them to Arizona. And they have a bunch of kids and foster kids and stuff like that. And so it's a pretty elaborate situation. But they, that God had called them to Arizona to do a church plant near Arizona State. And it was my my whole body almost elevated off the ground. Do you know that feeling when the Holy Ghost just from head to toe? I said, "Oh yeah, they're supposed to go. Go ahead and tell them." You know, <laughs> that, you don't want to just go around saying things like that to people. That's a big thing. That's a big move. That's a whole family. That's their life. 
But with the most confidence I've ever had and a big smile on my face, I told him, yeah, well, the Lord has confirmed that word. You tell them that God has given confirmation. And it didn't surprise him, you see. You see, it usually doesn't. People usually have heard, you know, they really feel like that. But it's good when God does that for people because it blesses them and it helps them to have the courage to go ahead with it, you know. Not only did we feel it in our hearts and we had the desire and we prayed about it, we believed it was God, but now this minister out of nowhere that we didn't even know had confirmation for us from God. Thursday, and it's the last story. <laughs> Thursday, just talking about hearing God, I, like I tell you, I, I, I was... I had been going through my army members through the Association of Related Ministries International. I'm the regional advocate from El Paso to Orange, just south half of Texas, this little piece of land. Ministers that are part of Andrew Womack's Ministers Association, that's, I'm, their, their, I'm their RA, okay? And so I, have, I get to speak to them and, and, and all that, and, and I was doing that this week, and uh, I ministered uh, with a bunch of them and prayed with a bunch of them. And one of them has not attended any of our uh, sort of coffee meetings or responded to any of my emails or anything like that in the last couple of years. I texted her and then she called me back. And uh, she and her husband, they're in Liberty, Texas, and they uh, have been pastors for like 40 years and they, you know, what are, uh, other things. But I called and uh, she said, Will, hi, this is Wanda. And I am, and she began to tell me who she was. And I said, I know who you are, Wanda. How are your goats? Now, I've never spoken to her before. Or never met her. And there was a very good chance she was going to think I was really weird. Wouldn't you say? That's a strange way to start a conversation. She said... What? I said, how are your goats? And I was in traffic. I had just left Montrose. I don't like going downtown because I was coming back home at 4 o'clock again. 4.30 and I was in traffic. And you know, she talked to me all the way home and I sat in the driveway for another 10 minutes, probably about a 40 minute conversation. She told me how her goats were. <laughs> she had, and they raised uh, little miniature goats, very beautiful and exotic kind. And they had gotten out of it. They had won the Houston Rodeo. They had won the kind of the cream, gone through all that. And once you do that, she says, you just kind of hang up your hat because you've made it. And we were kind of out of it. But then we thought we'd give it a try again. And we bought this little buck from some people near Austin and paid a lot of money for him and all that. Because we were going to use some of the little ones for, for, for ministry, for the kids at church and things like that. And he didn't produce so two years, and see, goats are not like cattle and stuff like that. They, they after like six weeks, they were raring to go. Okay. <laughs> anyway, he didn't produce. And so she was going to have to 
get rid of them. She couldn't sell them in good conscience to somebody who was wanting a, a little buck. And so, and she found a ranch called a rescue ranch, I think. And, but there's some requirements. They were going to have to uh, clip him. <laughs> Not a haircut. And, and all these other things. And she said she told him about it. <laughs> but they found a good place and it was a good home and they, and they took care of uh, those sort of rescues, adoptions, that sort of thing. And so she went out there and to meet the people and to get all this finalized and did it. And while she was there, she figured out or learned that this rescue ranch was not just for animals. There was, there was sex trafficking girls there that had been rescued and that's what it was really all about. And... Uh, she just, her heart was all about that and getting involved with them and wanting, and just yesterday she was supposed to be out there working with them and everything and I'm supposed to get a praise report and we've got a lot of things to talk about. But she went home and one of the, <laughs> and she went over and the one of the little females, she, she went over there and, she, and she's pregnant, right? So... Now all the females are praying. And so, God wasn't using, uh, he used that goat to get her involved out there. And I said, now listen, I said, Grace and Truth Church, we're a small church right now. But we, it's been on my heart and my wife's heart for many years because we, we want to sow worldwide, globally, we want to sow nationwide, and we want to be a blessing locally. And we know that Houston, Texas, and this part of Texas is a huge hub for sex trafficking. And we've always wanted to be a, a, a help in that. And that's one of the things, as some of you know that have been here a while, uh, I have really, really tried to get us connected with the right group. And remember, I found one, and I won't mention any names, but I found some. And then I found one. I said, I think this might be it. And then we found out that they were more into just like the, the dance clubs and trying to deliver girls out of that, which is great, but it's not what we were after. And Tamala's like, no, we want the, the stolen kids. We want the, you know, this trafficking that we're, it goes through here. We want, and I said, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted too, but I don't know. And then they found out that that place, they wouldn't, they kept saying they were going to send somebody to talk here and just send us stuff, and they never did. And then I found out they just have these big galas and celebrations. And they get hundreds of thousands of dollars from these rich Estonians. That's not for us. And y'all all agreed, if you remember. Well, I told her, I said, this sounds exactly like what we wanted to be a part of. And I can't wait to hear more. And so anyway, long story short-ish. <laughs> that Do you see God in that? I know who you are, Wanda. How are your goats? If you don't see God in it, you're dull of hearing. If you don't see God in me telling that young man to tell his brother to move to Arizona, which, ooh, then you may be a little dull of hearing. But you can fix it. And God wants to fix it. He's fun, and he, that's, that's how He works. Some of us have had experiences like that together, and on all, you know, we've done, we know. So I'm telling Noah about the flood now. I'm talking to people overseas and and other places that listen to the message. But but God loves you.
and and he wants you to hear his voice. He's jealous for you. He doesn't want anyone else in his place. You know, I know in my house I have a chair that I don't like other people taking. And, you know, if somebody comes over, because there are some that just don't get it. They, they don't have respect. They don't have, they don't understand authority. And they, they sit there, you know what I say? Nothing. I let them. I let them. But that's not right. That's, that's not right. <laughs> but Jesus is the same way. He's got... He expects us to give him his place, his position in our lives, which is first place, and to give him all authority in our lives. He laid down his life so you could take yours up in him, but he still didn't come into your home and to your heart to take orders. He came to take over. And if you hadn't allowed him to do that yet, you're really missing out. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to let you get to Luby's before the Baptist. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Thank you for helping us to hear you more clearly and to respond quickly to what you tell us to do, Lord. We thank you for loving us so much and for leading and guiding and wanting such a beautiful relationship with us. The God of all creation, you have time for each of us on such an intimate level. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And help us to cultivate that by cultivating the hearing so that we can walk in faith which pleases you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.